Um, okay, so a yellow tang walks into a library and he says, Bartender, I'll have a sarsaparilla, please. And the librarian turns to him and says, Sir, this is a library. And the yellow tang says, Oh, oh, sorry. I'll have a sarsaparilla, please. <laughs> Do you have any aquarium jokes? Um. Knock, knock. Who's there? Fishing. Fishing who? Fishing, who are you? <laughs> I don't know. Ear snacks. Ear snacks. Ear snacks. It's Nate. It's Nate from the show about science calling. Hello? Hello. Hey, Nate! Hi! Knock, knock. Who's there? Whale. Whale who? Whale, hello there! <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing this morning, Nate? I'm doing good. I'm so excited that you wanted to talk to our friends on Ear Snacks about aquariums, because it's Aquarium Appreciation Month. It is? Yeah, June is Aquarium Appreciation Month. Did you know that? No, I did not. <laughs> I noticed that you like taking photographs of fish. Um, yeah, I love taking photographs of fish. It's like my favorite thing to take pictures of. Why? Why? Because it's interesting to take pictures of fish because there's so much diversity. Biodiversity. Biodiversity. Mmm. Aquariums are a good place to see that diversity, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Do you have a favorite aquarium that you've been to? My favorite aquarium is Aquarium of the Bay in San Francisco. Oh, cool. What's that like? Basically, like, it looks like a tunnel, mm -hmm. an arching tunnel, and you get to walk right under, and you can see fish and sturgeons and jellyfish and sharks. Whoa. And you can see it from above, from the side, from the side. And you can basically see it from all angles. Wow. So it's like an underwater tunnel you're walking through. Um, yeah, except you are not underwater with all the fish. <laughs> <laughs> it was very interesting and... I thought that like every single one was a different species because they were very colorful and amazing mm. creatures. That's so cool. Biodiversity. The most interesting thing that I learned there was that sturgeons are very, very, very ancient. Like, How ancient are they? They survived the fifth mass extinction event that wiped out the dinosaurs. Whoa! So they're very old, but they're on the risk of extinction. Oh no, why are they at the risk of extinction now? Because of climate change. Because the waters that they live in are changing temperature, and so, so is their food changing, or what's changing? 
the waters are getting more acidic. Oh. And that's why aquariums are starting to take in sturgeons to help them survive. Wow, that's really cool. So so what does an aquarium do? I know it's a place where people can come visit who, who can't go scuba diving in faraway places to see lots of different kinds of fish and sea life. But what else do aquariums do? They also help protect animals from extinction, like in the sturgeon's case. And usually the animals that come there are rescue animals because they got separated from their family or something like that. Oh, like at the Marine Life Institute from Finding Dory. Yeah, kind of like that. Oh. Do you know any scientists who work in aquariums? Well, I do. He was on my podcast, The Show About Science. The Show About Science. Oh, The Show About Science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam. Adam? He's a scientist who works at the shed. Oh, what's the shed? The Shed Aquarium. I don't know what... Where is the Shed Aquarium? The Shed Aquarium is by the Field Museum. Do you know what the Field Museum is? No, I don't know where the Field Museum is. Where is the Field Museum? The Field Museum is in Chicago, Illinois, and it is, um, it's by my house. Oh, th- oh, that's right. If you had to be a creature living in an aquarium, which creature would you be? I would be Luna the Otter at the Shed Aquarium. They look like they have a good time. And Luna is, like, out of control. She just... Splashes the water, goes immediately out, lays on her bed, goes behind the scenes. Her manager has to bring her back out. She lays on her bed, falls in the water, comes right back out, goes behind the scenes again, and then her manager has to throw her in the water. (laughs) She sounds bonkers. She is. (laughs) Um, Knock, knock. Who's there? Otter. Otter who? Oh, she ought to go to sleep. (laughs) Um, Nate, did you know that I know a scientist who works at an aquarium? Who? My name is Rebecca Johnson. I live in San Francisco. I have two kids. And I work at the California Academy of Sciences, which is a natural history museum and aquarium in San Francisco. And my job here is citizen science. What's citizen science? We work with volunteers in the tide pools to look at all the animals that live in tide pools. We also work up on a mountain to count and make collections of every single plant that grows on Mount San Matias. The thing I like most about my job is that I get to be outside talking to people about nature and learning from all the people I meet about why nature is important to them. And every day I get to walk into an aquarium and that's where my job is. Rebecca, do animals disguise themselves? Animals are some of the best at disguising themselves. Like, they're amazing. (gasps) Animal disguises are so good. How good are they? That sometimes we can't even tell what they are. Why would an animal disguise itself? The first reason an animal would want to disguise itself is so predators or things that want to eat it can't find it. Hmm, What's the other reason? And the other reason is that if you are a predator... What's a predator? An animal that wants to eat other animals, you can sneak up on it, it has no idea, and then you eat it. But it's mostly for... Mostly to stay safe. Got it. So, Lissy, it seems like it would be really hard to hide in a big open space 
like a desert. So if you were a desert animal that needed to stay safe in the desert, how would you do that? One thing that animals can do is they can match the color of the sand. So there are some lizards that their pattern on their back is almost the same color as the sand. So if you were maybe a bird that was flying over looking for lunch, you wouldn't even see the lizard because it would look like the sand. What do you call that? We sometimes call it camouflage mm -hmm. or or crypsis, being cryptic, oh. being hard to see. If you're an animal and you look like something else, uh -huh. like an insect or a bug that mm -hmm. looked like a stick, sometimes people call that, this is like a special scientific word, they call it special resemblance. Mm. Because you look especially like something else. So a thing that looks like a stick would not do well if there aren't trees and sticks around. Got so you have it. to look like you can actually blend in. Like if I were in the desert and I was wearing a bright green dress, you would be able to see me. But if I was wearing a bright green dress in like a green forest, it might be harder. How about an animal in the ocean? So animals in the ocean are so good at this. Tell us about one. Well, I was thinking about this one that most people don't know about it because it's a nudibranch. A nudibranch? So it's a sea slug that looks exactly like coral. Like you can't even tell. When it's sitting on the coral, it looks the same. Probably some people who have taken pictures of coral underwater, some of them may have taken a picture of the nudibranch and not even known it. I have had people send me pictures and they say, look at this awesome picture I took. And it's like a sea anemone and a crab and a sea urchin and there's a nudibranch in it and they did not know. <gasps> Nudibranchs like to photobomb. They're total photobombers, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Any more examples? The most famous maybe is a special kind of octopus called a mimic octopus. Ooh, what can a mimic octopus do? That octopus can look like tons of different animals. It can move its arms to look like a fish. It can move its arms to look like a jellyfish. It can move its arms to look like a rock. And it can also change the color of its skin. It can change its color and its shape. It can change its color and its shape, and it can even change its texture. Wow. They're also super sneaky. sneaky. And they don't have a backbone or a skeleton, just like a nudibranch. Octopuses really don't have hard parts to protect themselves, so they had to have really good ways to hide. So it seems like you really have to have the right disguise for where you are. And we're wondering, how is it that these animals have such perfect disguises for the places where they live? Well, this is kind of like the most amazing thing about all this, is that animals, they figured out how to have a disguise that fits their place and the other animals and the other plants that they might see. And if they're moved into a totally different place, they don't, they don't match that place very well. They haven't grown up and their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents before that haven't grown up to try to figure out the best ways to survive in that place. Right, and then they end up with a green dress in the middle of the desert. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. We really, really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us today. All right, you guys too. All right, thank, thank you so, you so much, much, Rebecca. You're welcome. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. When's the last time you went to an aquarium? What would you disguise yourself as if you had to be a creature living there? If you're not at an aquarium right now, how else do you think you can learn about some fish? YouTube? Or ask a friend? You're listening to Ear Snacks. A free podcast for kids. Featuring kids. Hello. My name is Andrew.
Hello, my name is Polly. Hello, my name is Jen, and I love seahorses. They are my absolute favorite of all the fish in the sea. They're definitely the fish for me. I have read a lot about them, and I know quite a few things uh, that I would like to share with you. To start off, I should tell you that they are actually a fish, uh, not a horse, but they do look like a horse. So if you were a tiny fish in the sea and one came up to you, you might be like, whoa, it's a horse, but it's another fish. So one of the ways that you know for sure that seahorses are not a horse is that they don't have feet. They have a tail and they use the tail to balance in the water and also to hang on to things. So sometimes they can hang on to each other. Like, um, you know, you'll, you'll sometimes see a pair of seahorses and it looks like they're holding tails and cuddling. That's one of the reasons I like them. They're, they seem like they're very affectionate. I haven't spoken to one yet. I don't know any personally, but from what I hear, they're very affectionate creatures. So they use their tail to hold on to grass or, you know, when they're resting, maybe they'll hold on to something or, or each other. Um, little baby seahorse might use its tail to hold on to its mama or its dad. They live in little corals and nooks and crannies and caves. So they each have like a little piece of territory in the ocean. Um, so that's like kind of like their home, like that's the place where they go and swim and eat their shrimp and all that stuff. And sometimes they'll run into each other and they will see each other and kind of be like, oh, who's that? I haven't seen you before. And the other one's like, well, now you see me. Usually what happens is the male seahorse will kind of do um, a little dance in the water, like a little wiggly dance. And then the female also does like a little wiggle and they kind of approach each other they start changing color a little bit so it's really pretty and it like gets it gets the attention of the other seahorse and so what happens then is the male seahorse starts to circle like swim in a circle using his little fins around the female you know that's kind of when they get to know each other and then they decide okay you're the one for me and then they're together they are together for life they have friends and stuff but it's like they pair up yeah. It's really interesting when a male seahorse and a female seahorse pair up because they want to have a little family um, to be with them. They talk about it and they're like, okay, now we want to have some babies. And the, the female seahorse has the eggs and she gives them to the male seahorse. And she says, you know, these are your job now. Uh, I would appreciate it if you would hold on to them while they grow and keep them safe for me. And the male seahorse is like, oh, of course, I would do that for you. He takes them and he holds them in a pouch in his belly. So it's almost like he has a pocket where he keeps things and that's where he's keeping the babies safe. Um, and they can have a lot of babies, like 
Hundreds of babies. It depends on how big the seahorse is. Hundreds? Hundreds of babies, yes. Can I tell you something? That seems very overwhelming. Well, they're just very little. They're very small at first. Um, and then when when the babies are ready to come out, they they sort of, you know when you sneeze and you kind of, you're like, achoo! And you go sort of backwards, like you're surprised. You're like, woo! A sneeze! You know, like that? That is how it is for the daddy seahorse. And, you know, you just kind of want to go up to him and say, oh, bless you, daddy seahorse. I have seen seahorses with my eyeballs in person in an aquarium. And the other place I've seen seahorses, so not in person, but I spend a lot of time watching videos about them. My name is Jen and I love seahorses. Of all the fish in the sea, they're definitely the fish for me. And that's our show. Happy Aquarium Appreciation Month. I hope you liked Nate from the show about science, Rebecca Johnson from the California Academy of Sciences, and our friend Jen, who likes seahorses. Next time we'll have a special interview with Julie Burwald, who is a jellyfish expert. And we have a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up in July that has to do with Kids Listen, an organization we're very proud to be a part of that supports and advocates kids' podcasts like Ear Snacks. Please check out kidslisten.org to find out more and visit the app, app.kidslisten.org, if you want to find more kids' podcasts that you might like. Send us an email at earsnacks at andrewandpolly.com if you want to talk about aquariums or anything else. Um, and you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, andrewandpolly.com. Andrewandpolly.com. Okay. Happy aquariums. Happy whales. <laughs> <laughs>